Hello and welcome to the Sam Fiction and Fantasy Fun Podcast. This is episode 5 of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I will go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing chapter 5 of book 1, The Last Wish. So I guess I'll just jump right into it. I don't really have um I don't really have anything else to say except talk about this chapter. Uh, but before I give my summary, uh, let's just pick up on where we left off in case you missed it or you need a refresher. So we last left off with Geralt in The Voice of Reason, last chapter, having a one-sided discussion with the silent priestess, Iola, about Witcher's origins and a little bit of Geralt's history. In the chapter short story, A Question of Price, Geralt was hired by Queen Calanthe of Sintra to complete unclear tasks during a feast for her daughter, Princess Pavetta's forthcoming nuptials. The feast is interrupted by a cursed hedgehog-like human named Dooney, who demands Pavetta, who was destined to him through the law of surprise he invoked after saving her father's life right before her birth. The queen does not agree to hand her daughter over and tries to have her guards kill him until Pavetta's magic force explodes from her and sends chaos throughout the room. After things have calmed down, Calanthe agrees to let Pavetta and Dooney be together, breaking Dooney's curse, and as payment for protecting Dooney from the guards, Geralt invokes the Law of Surprise, and we learn that Pavetta is pregnant. So for the summary of this week's chapter, as always in The Last Wish, the chapter begins with a piece from The Voice of Reason where we meet Geralt's friend, the Trobador Dandelion. Dandelion visits Geralt at the Temple of Melodile after hearing about his Striga-caused injury. The two discuss the lack of, avail of available work for witchers, resulting from a low demand, and they recall the time when they traveled to the edge of the world together. The recollection of this adventure segues into the chapter's short story titled, The Edge of the World. Geralt and Dandelion are traveling through Upper Posada, looking for witcher's work. The locals explain the issues they have with a lot of non-existent monsters. Deciding there's no way of making money in this location, the two travel toward Lower Posada and the edge of the inhabited world. On the road, they're stopped by one of Lower Posada's residents, a man called Netley, who invites them to his house, where he'll go over the details about a real job he has for Geralt. On the way, they notice the area's agricultural fields are performing really well and learn that this is why the land is known as the, the Valley of Flowers, or Dolbothana in the Elephant language. At his house, Netley and a town elder, Dunn, explain they're dealing with mischief from a devil. Dandelion emphatically insists there's no such thing as devils, but Geralt agrees to check it out anyway. Geralt and Dandelion head over to the hemp pops and flax fields to see if they can catch a glimpse of this devil. Not only do they catch a glimpse, but they also get into a bit of a squabble with him, who they see as a creature with goat's horns and a beard, a long tail, and two cleft hooves. When the Witcher and the Trobador do not heed the creature's orders to leave, he starts hitting them with iron balls. Later, back in the village, Geralt and Dandelion discuss the creature they came across with Netley, Dunn, and two new additions, a wise old woman and a young woman named Leel. They look through an old book with references to all kinds of monsters and magic, and the old woman describes the page on Devin, devils, or sylvans as we now learn the official name of the creature, and how to drive them from your hamlet, because according to Leel, he must not be killed. 
Geralt asks Lael a question, but Natalie and Dunn dismiss the two women and explain that Lael doesn't speak and is a prophetess whose purpose in the village is to provide guidance to the farmers for agricultural success. Geralt agrees to drive off the Sylvan and heads back to the field to complete the job. When he finds the creature again, he tries to challenge Geralt to some competitions under the conditions that if he wins, he stays. If he loses, then he must leave. After Geralt loses his patience, he tries to physically remove the Sylvan. He fights back well, and before Geralt can capture him, Geralt gets knocked down by a horse with an unknown rider who he thought at first was Dandelion coming to assist him. He's knocked down again and then knocked out. Geralt awakens later, bound and face down on the floor of a forest glade next to a bound dandelion. He hears the Sylvan, who we now learn goes by the name of Torque, talking about seeds he recently stole for, for the starving elves who live in the mountains, and he's talking with an elf called Galar, Galar, pronunciations, um, I'm going to keep messing them up, I'm sure. Bear with me, please, I'm trying my best. Another elf named Teruviel beats Dandelion and Geralt and destroys Dandelion's loot. Geralt manages to grab her necklace with his teeth, pulling her down and headbutts her, but he's stopped by another elf who pulls a knife on him. Torque insists with little effect that they don't kill Geralt before the elf gets the chance to. Another elf, Philavandril, arrives on horseback. Philavandril decides that Geralt and Dandelion have to die because they cannot risk humans finding out who Torque is working for. Before giving the execution orders, Geralt and Philavandril have a conversation about all the wrongdoings humans have committed against the elves and the problems with the elves and the humans living together. Right before they are about to be shot with arrows, Torque argues to have them spared but is interrupted by the arrival of Leo, except instead of looking like a peasant, she's floating through the glade, decorated with garlands of flowers, ears of corn, and herbs. Turns out Leo is actually the queen of the fields. The elves drop their bows and all bow to her. She and Felavandril have a telepathic discussion that ends with him and the rest of the elves letting Geralt and Dandelion go and returning to the mountains. Teruviel gives Dandelion a new loot and Felavandril bids Geralt farewell until they meet again someday on the battlefield. The story wraps up with Geralt, Dandelion, and Torque camping on the road, discussing a passage from the Freeman's Great Book about the Queen of the Fields, also known as Lyphia. Lyphia. So, in this chapter, something that we find out is that there's very little work for witchers. In The Voice of Reason, Geralt and Dandelion talk about how Geralt's job isn't sustainable anymore. Geralt argues the world is changing. Uh, most of the stories people tell of monsters are made up or exaggerated. Um, there, and there really just aren't as many monsters anymore. So one of the big parts of that discussion is that um, it's kind of like this paradox. The more witchers work, the less work is available to them. So it's not really easy for him to make money. He doesn't come across the need to kill monsters it used to be a big problem. Um, back in the day, there were probably more monsters than there were humans, but it's just not the case anymore. So it's really hard to make a living as a witcher these days. And it's definitely not a good thing for our protagonist. And of the few monsters Geralt comes across, locals tend to not want them killed. Uh, because of what Dandelion mentions, you know, reasons of like ha compassion or nostalgia or because they're good for the local economy. 
uh, they talk about this troll who lives under a bridge and he demands tolls from anybody that crosses and if they don't pay him then he might break their legs he might hurt them or kill them or whatever so Geralt goes to the the lord or the alderman of that town and says hey I'll kill this troll for you if you pay me and the guy's like oh no please don't kill him he's he's good for <laughs> he's basically he's good for business he is um repairing the bridge just with his own hard work so it's actually just cheaper for everybody to pay tolls than it is to hire other people to um to repair the bridge so that's just one example of why some of the monsters that are actually out there uh nobody's offering to pay money to have them killed but yeah it's it's a very conflicting issue in the short story, people in Upper Posada talked about a whole list of monsters that plague their village, but Geralt knew none of them existed. And Dandelion says later that he could tell they weren't lying. And Geralt agreed because they believe that the monsters are real, but they're just making them up. And he says that people often invent monsters so that when they commit any monstrous act themselves, they don't feel as bad about it if they believe that there are things out there worse than them. And I, I could totally agree with that. And in real life, people aren't inventing werewolves and things like that. But I do think that that's something that humans have a natural tendency to do is if you do something bad or you do something wrong, you might in order to not feel so guilty about it you might start to think about people who do things worse so i i think that that makes sense i thought that was a really good example that they used in the book but it was also kind of funny because <laughs> one of the things they're, they're listing off all these uh, monsters that aren't actually real which we we don't know that when we're reading it the first time you know for all we know some of these could be real but, you know, Geralt dismisses that. But one of the things he said, they're like, oh, yeah, we've got bats here. <laughs> like, like they're hoping to hire him to kill off the bats or something. It's just, I thought that that was really funny. I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. But Dandelion offers a suggestion to Geralt's problem of not having a lot of available work for him. He says that he could become a priest. Which I can't imagine that. We haven't known Geralt for a long time. This is just, the, this is just book one, but from what we know, he doesn't, I, I, it's just not something that I can picture, but his reasons for suggesting that Geralt could be a priest is because he said that, uh, he has a lot of scruples and morality and he's got a lot of knowledge of the world and people and his lack of faith shouldn't be an issue because apparently in this world, there are a lot of priests that don't actually believe in any gods. So he says he could do it. This is not something that Geralt seems interested in actually going through with, but Dandelion thinks he could do it. I don't think he could. I don't think he should. And the as far as I know, the upcoming books in the series don't go from being called the Witcher. You know, it's not like, it's not, it's, it's the Witcher series. It's not the priest series so i think it's safe to assume that he doesn't take his advice there but dandelion he was mentioned in the second voice of reason section uh he was talking about his opinions or they, they brought up his opinions on the goddess melitale 
So we actually get to meet him in this chapter, which is pretty cool. He is a troubadour. He plays the lute, composes ballads. He's a poet. His personality is probably an acquired taste. Uh, Neneke does not like him. She announces to Geralt that he is there and that he's about to come into the room. And she's just, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to keep you guys company. <laughs> she doesn't want to be around him. She, men she mentions that he is Geralt's opposite. And Geralt, as we know, he's very stoic. He's quiet. And we pick up on Dandelion being his opposite very quickly. And also even Geralt, who's his friend, he snaps at him a lot. He's, he definitely gets annoyed by him a handful of times. So it is really interesting, that friendship. It, you, If you knew them separately, you wouldn't imagine that those two people with those very different personalities would be friends. But it happens a lot. I mean, there are definitely many friendships, many just different kinds of relationships where people are, the two people are extremely different, but it works somehow. He's also got a lot of very inappropriate tendencies. Like he says some offensive things here and there, or he'll kind of just like blatantly say something a little bit disrespectful. Like he does that when they're in the um, village in the in, um, Lower Posada. Um, when they're talking to Netley and Dunn, he, he just says a few things, like kind of mocking them and just doesn't seem to care that they can hear him saying those things right in front of him. Um, when he gets to the Temple of Melitale, he tells Geralt about how Neneke got pissed at him because he pinched the butt of one of the priestesses, which is not cool. It's definitely really inappropriate. Uh, and also Geralt recalls a time when Dandelion was fleeing a town because the brothers of a woman he recently got pregnant were after him. And um, he also doesn't seem to be able to read a room very well, or he at least doesn't care to. Uh, there's that one moment um, when Geralt and Philavandrel are talking and it's decided that they're going to kill Geralt and Dandelion. And... Geralt says, oh, spare, spare him at least. You know, like, nobody's going to come looking after me. It, it, it doesn't matter if you kill me, but he's he's a well-known guy. People are going to come looking for him, and they're going it, to... It, it'll, it'll be bad if you kill him. You should let him go. And Philavandrel says, well, if we kill you and not him, then he's going to want to avenge you, so that's a problem. And Dandelion's just like, oh, yeah, you better believe it. Like, I'm, I'll definitely come back here and... We'll level these mountains if we have to. <laughs> and Geralt even says, he's like, how stupid you are, Daniel. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Though. Like, Geralt's trying to save his life. And then the guy's like, I don't know about that. We we probably shouldn't do, we probably shouldn't spare him because I want to avenge you. He's like, oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> I think he was trying to be brave in that moment. But he was definitely very afraid of dying. So, but I, I thought that it was either him just, Try, he, he, I think I thought it was just an example of him not being able to read a room, but yeah, he is a good character for some comedic relief. But yeah, it's and I, it, you definitely enjoy reading a lot of this chapter because of him. But it, I'm not surprised that you know, like like the likes of Neneke wouldn't be a fan of his. But he does have a lot of fans. He's a famous guy. Anyway. So, Leal, 
Also, the Queen of the Fields serves as Lower Posada or the Valley of Flowers. Um, I had a hard time distinguishing like what, like the the Valley of Flowers and, or Dolblathana by its original name. Um, if that was maybe like the, the greater area and Lower Posada was like a town within it. I think that's what I picked up from it, but it's not outright explained. Um, but I, so I don't know if she's just um, a prophetess. It's another word. I don't know if I'm saying that word right. I think I'm putting the inflection in, in the wrong spot. So I apologize if I am. Um, but the, the other name for that is uh, a wise one. So I'll just call her that. Um, but yeah, she, I don't know if she's just for Lower Posada or the Grand Dolplathana. Either way, um, these women are there to advise farmers, freemen, who believe and take their advice blindly because in the long run, even if some of their guidance seems contradictory, they are always right and their decisions are always beneficial. And the local lords don't want farmers using these women. They don't want them around because their decisions are usually always contrary to their politics. So if the farmers and the freemen are making use of these women, they keep them secret. And that's what's going on here. They were very hesitant to even let Geralt know what her purpose was or who she was to them because they don't want it getting back to their... I forget if they called him a baron or a lord, but you know what? You get it. Um, because if they found out, they could get in a lot of trouble or they could lose her. And they have this really great harvest there compared to most places. And of course, they don't want to lose that. So they definitely don't want to lose her. But she was the one who prohibited the farmers, the freemen, from killing Twerk. So as the queen of the fields, she prohibited the elves from killing Geralt and Dandelion also. She doesn't let them harm or kill anything. It's probably part of her being the queen of the fields. Bill Vandral wants her to join them, but she refuses. At, um, at the end of the story, Dandelion, Torque, and Geralt talk about how she might remain with the humans in Dolblathana if they prove themselves worthy. But she's somebody that you want to have around, I guess. And her presence seems to be what is causing the humans in that area so much success. But either way, she is revered as this powerful person. She's, she's, she has a lot of respect. So um, I'm very interested to see if that leads to anything later down the line or if there's any relevance that to that that maybe circles back in future plots. So something else we learn about in this story is that there is a lot of racism towards elves. It seems as though it started with humans stealing the elves' land and forcing them from their homes and into the mountains. Geralt suggests they should cohabit or condemn themselves to annihilation. And even though the elves in the mountains aren't living and thriving, but are starving and surviving, they would rather live that way than live amongst humans and face the racism and discrimination. Which, I guess it's a matter of preference, but yeah, it's like, do you want to live 
in like in civilization where you know there's there are certain comforts that are available to you on a daily basis but you also have to deal with being treated very poorly because you're different or would you rather not have to deal with the discrimination and not really have access to food not really have access to shelter just kind of live in the wilderness it sounds like a pretty terrible situation uh, Geralt also points out that Philavandrel must know that their current strategy of stealing seeds and grain won't help them survive, especially because elves live long lives compared to humans. And eventually they'll face the humans in battle so that they can die honorably instead of dying sick and starving. Uh, the elf, Teruviel, she's sick. and I, I think Geralt's implying that a lot of elves are going to become sick like her and die with no dignity but if you were to actually die in battle that would probably be better um before leaving though phil Evandrel tells Geralt he was he was right and you know he's like goodbye until we meet again on the day when we descend into the valley to die honorably so Basically, what I'm getting at is I wonder if that's setting up something for a future plot. Or maybe if it's just to elicit some emotion in the reader. But we will find out one way or the other. So something I noticed in this chapter was a little pattern I started to pick up on. It's nothing really even that important, but it was just something that I've noticed has been a part of every story so far. So whenever Geralt is asked to take a job, it's never as simple as killing a monster. So there seems to always be a long discussion that takes place beforehand. So in the first story we had, he was uh, asked to kill the Striga, or he was seeking the contract on the Striga. And he had to have a long discussion with the Castellan first. And then he had to go speak with King Foltest and then two of his, I guess they were advisors. He had to speak to Foltest again. There was a lot of talking. And then in the second chapter, he, I mean, he wasn't on a, a witcher's contract or anything, but there was a long conversation between him and Nivellim. Third story, there was a long conversation between him and Stregobor and then with Renfrey and also the Alderman Caldamine. And then the last story, he talks to Queen Calanthe for a long time. And then in this story, he talks to this Netley and Dunn for a good period of time before actually going after the Sylvan, going after Torque. And then he talks to Philavandrel for a long time. It's just funny because you, you, you realize that Witchers should probably have good communication skills. It's not just about having physical prowess. They need to probably have some sales talent to be able to find success. Maybe that's something Geralt is not 100% skilled in. Maybe if he were to try and develop his sales abilities a little bit more, then he could convince some of these people that are resisting the killing of the local monsters in their area, he could probably convince them to 
actually let the, him kill them and get paid for it. I don't know if that's true. There's obviously a reason why it's not working that way. But it is funny that he, maybe not funny, but it, it's just an interesting pattern that I picked up on. And I wanted to point out that he does a lot of talking with these people. It's never just like, oh, you want to kill this monster? Okay, here's what I'll pay you. He accepts, he goes and kills the monster. He comes back, it's the money, and then he's done. He moves on to the next. There's a lot of discussion that is involved. So anyway, and then... The last thing that I wanted to point out, this is another short one. The last episode was also really short, but um, it is what it is, whatever. Uh, there's no Witcher signs in this chapter. I've been following that closely. It's something that I like to mention in every episode. I don't know why. I just, uh, I love the Witcher signs. They're just, they're just cool to me. So we don't see Geralt use any of his signs in this chapter. Hopefully in the next one. Hopefully we learn about some more, or even if they are the same from the last several chapters, that's fine. I just like it when he uses them. I don't know. I just like magic stuff, like things with um, like just people using magic. I don't know. It's just cool. But yeah, none in this chapter. So Geralt talks about the possibility of traveling south soon because there's no work for witchers in and around his current location. So... Uh, we will maybe find out soon if he is going to actually do that or will he just end up sticking around this area and looking for more available work. Whatever he decides to do, he was advised by Neneke not to fight any agile opponents anytime soon while he's still healing, while his neck is healing from the wounds caused by the Striga. So if he does find work, hopefully it's not something that's going to take his injury longer to heal. It seems like one of the big parts of this story was to introduce us to the politics of this world. So maybe that's because there's going to be future plot points that will include the discrimination towards elves, or maybe the elves will fight back. And the one of the main points was just to get us more familiar. We might see that soon. We might not. But I am very interested to learn more about the politics of this world because this was really interesting. So the next episode will be about the final story of The Last Wish, also titled The Last Wish. And that's pretty exciting. We're already very close to moving on to the next book, Sword of Destiny, which I'm really excited for that one. Sorry, I keep saying excited, but I am. <laughs> and I'm also excited to move on to the main series of books and if sword of destiny goes as quickly as the last wish did which i cannot remember how many short stories were in that um if you didn't already know sword of destiny is another collection of short stories but the rest of the books in the witcher series are written just like regular novels it's just these first two books are a collection of short stories but yeah another short episode i think uh, i we'll we'll see how it goes but I, I do think that the next episode is probably going to be longer just because i know that the story the last wish is a long one it's the longest at least in terms of pages it's the longest in the book so if you watch this video on youtube and if you want to ever just listen to these episodes 
on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do so. If you listen to them on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like to listen to them slash watch them through YouTube, you can do that. They are all available through the same name, Sam Fiction and Fantasy Fun. And if you've listened this far, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And goodbye. <laughs>